The Fan-Controlled Football League is a new professional football league where teams no longer have a front office. Instead, fans control all the decisions, from drafting players to hiring coaches, calling plays. Your path to domination is just an app away. Guys, make sure you visit the website fcfl.io to learn more. Yeah. Eat, sleep, fantasy, you rockin' with the best. NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. We talking mock drafts, running backs, better follow. The conversation with Dale, Christian, and Armando. Screaming Eat Nation, we doing what we like. Tune in every week, guarantee we get it hype. Fantasy, football enthusiasts, I know you plan to be. Joining us on Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Yeah, Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Eat, Sleep, Fantasy. Welcome, guys, to the Dynasty portion of the Week in Review. My name's Christian Brito. I'll be hosting tonight. Joining, as always, is Mr. Steven Spac... I don't know how to say your last name. Steven Spacaratelli. What's going on, Christian? You got close enough on uh, that, man. Close. Can you do... Can you... Listen, I think it's important to have your name recognized correctly out there, and I'm going to... I'm going to call you Steven forever, but I think it's important to have our audience learn your name. Um, I'm not trying to mock it this time. I will from here on out, but what's your correct pronunciation? Spacarotelli. And that's fine. You can mock it all you want. I've heard my name many different ways, so you won't hurt the last feeling I have. Okay, good, good. (laughs) Also here tonight is John Chapman. What is up, John? Oh, just glad to be here, man. And I love the Ron Burgundy uh, introduction for for Steve. That was perfect. (laughs) He's Steven Speckleton. <laughs> We've got uh, a lot to talk about in the show today to the point that the show notes, uh, we were going over it part of the show and half of it was, should we cut this? Is it too much? Do we need to cut that? Is it too much? So we're going to try to get straight into the fantasy and not too much nonsense. But before I go on, guys, in 2018, the music being produced right now at this moment Who's better, Drake or Eminem? I'm going Eminem. Yeah, I've always been a big Eminem fan. Honestly, I really don't know much Drake because... I didn't say always. I I love them both, but uh, I have more Eminem songs on my workout playlist than Drake. Okay. I don't think I have have one Drake song, personally. Wow. You don't have one Drake song? If I do, it's by pure accident. I don't know. You need to fix that, Because, I mean, (laughs) I think there's... I think there's a Drake song for everybody. I think that's what makes Drake great is that it's so diverse. So there's there's going to be songs that even I don't like, but uh, there's some that I, I love. I think there's a very wide spectrum. You go all the way from Marvin's Room to collaborations with Future, and that's the spectrum. Um, so that's why I love him. And I'm not saying that Eminem isn't one of the greatest of all time, but in 2018, he's an automatic skip. Oh man, I love up. his new stuff. Like, um, at, given his new album is hit and miss, but there are like four solid tracks on his new album, which I'm just in love with. Yeah, it's it's a you great know, album, and I mean, maybe for me, I'm I'm more biased because you know I'm in here in Detroit. Lord. But oh yeah, you like are born with an Eminem tattoo. Yeah, actually, I where I grew up, it was only like ten minutes away from him. So wow, okay. That's uh super relevant to the to the bit debate. Hey, I don't care. I love his music. I'm biased to it. That's all there is. To it. All right. Is your is your middle well, name Mathers? No, no, but it would oh, be okay. cool if it was. All right, guys. Um, 
I will disagree with you. I will put this on the poll. And when we jump back to our show later, um, I will update that poll and let the audience vote. Although I think too much of our audience is going to think of old Eminem, which is not what I'm arguing, but that's fine. Eminem has been old I for w- 20 years. Like, he's really old. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's- let's, let's put it this way, Brito. Um, who do you like better? Better yet, who wins in a fight, Frank or Eminem? Oh, you're two. They knock guys. each other out. <laughs> who wins in a fight? Um, I'm gonna go with Frank Gore. Frank Gore strikes me as the type of guy that will keep getting hit and not even realize it's happening. So, like, um, took a lot I'm of blows to the Gore. helmet over the years, man. Yeah, I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean, one thing you cannot say about Frank Gore is that he's been you know, injury prone or he's been the most durable running back I can think of. Um, and just season after season, putting up a thousand yards. That's not the point of Frank Gore arguments here, guys. <laughs> we were going to turn right? into this no matter what. Yeah. So guys, I want to jump straight into the dynasty portion of the show, just because there is so much on our show notes here. And for the dynasty portion, I will willingly admit I'm going to defer a lot of this, to you two because you guys know your shit when it comes to the dynasty stuff, when it comes to evaluating rookies, when it comes to these future prospects. So I, I want to know, and I, I guess I'll start off with this question for the day. We'll start with you, Stephen. Why are rookie drafts important for dynasty? Because I, I always want to know what what's the importance of a rookie draft itself? Well, you have to analyze your team, what your needs are, right? So if you have running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, right, even tight ends, they're all positions on a fantasy team, and you're looking at longevity of careers, things of that sort. So if you're looking at some running backs that are going to be on their way out the door, on the way you know, off your team if you want to trade them and uh, get some value out of them, you know, you got a good running back class like this one coming in, you, you really want to pay attention to that class and – uh, see what these guys do at the combine and, you know, throughout their pro day and everything like that. See where they land in the draft and and really analyze where you want to put them on your draft board. Yeah, I'll add to All that. Right. I think draft capital, the, the amount that a team is willing to spend as far as draft picks go. If they pick somebody with a first or second round pick, that means that NFL team is designing their team to for this player to contribute immediately. And in when we turn that to fantasy, especially dynasty, you want immediate return on your investment. So if you're banking on a third or fourth round draft pick, getting a lot of playing time off right off the bat, that's not going to happen. Um, so whenever you see that first or second round pick going, you know automatically, okay, this team wants this kid badly. Or if you see a team trade up to get somebody, and we saw this last year with Alvin Kamara, um, Saints traded a future second round pick to jump up and grab the guy because they loved him so much. And so it lets you know that they weren't settling for him, but rather this is somebody that they really wanted on their team. Yeah, Kamara, I mean, even Hunt, those are guys that you could have had that later on in the year. You're like, okay, well, I got somebody that's contributing now, you know, and you have a running back that's a little longer in the tooth that still has a lot of value that you could trade for some other assets that your team needs. You know, it's just things like that. you know, those are some of the biggest reasons why you really need to pay attention to rookie drafts. Absolutely, guys. Um, it's Those are some great tips for our listeners to start looking at as they are preparing for their dynasty drafts this season. Little things during the offseason to keep in mind. Jot down, you know, in your little notebook when you prepare for your dynasty draft. 
things like you just mentioned, pay attention to the teams that are moving up to grab a guy or, or, sub, or stuff like that. Great, great stuff there. Our episode today is going to be heavily focused on rookie quarterbacks and, and kind of evaluating where we see some of these rookie quarterbacks and their prospects for fantasy this year and moving forward in Dynasty. So I'll start with you here, John. What do you look for in a rookie quarterback? So whenever I'm evaluating tape, which I probably do too much of, uh, the first thing that I look for and the most important thing is accuracy. Can they put the ball to where the receivers can be beneficial? So right off the bat, you got guys like Josh Allen, uh, Baker Mayfield, just huge giants on the accuracy chart. And at the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So that that puts a big red flag on those two guys right off the bat because if you're going to play in the NFL, you've got to be able to help your team and be consistent with that. So number one is accuracy. And then for fantasy, mobility is key because you get all those extra yards with rushing that you know obviously count more than passing yards. And the rushing touchdowns in the majority of formats get you an extra two points over the four-point passing touchdown. So accuracy is number one, and then mobility is huge. Yeah, I, I look at, you know, with any rookie quarterback coming in, I'm looking at mechanics and, you know, uh, uh, completion percentage and things of that sort, just overall mechanics. And a guy that's going to come in and, and fit a system with a team, and you know that he's not only is he going to be a good NFL quarterback or has the potential to be, but, you know, if he's going to be a good NFL quarterback in return, he's going to be a good uh, fantasy or dynasty quarterback for you. Uh, so mechanics are huge for me. Um, I'm looking at completion percentage. I'm looking at um, uh, touchdown to interception ratio. You know, that just tells you that a guy has a good feel for the game and he has a good perception of what's going on down the field. So those are some of the big points that I look at. Okay, awesome. Uh, now, are there any other major factors that you guys are looking at, like opportunity? All right, so going back to guys that may be more pro-ready right now, or, or guys that may be able to have an instant impact depending on where they're drafted. What are you what are you looking for in terms of opportunity for a rookie quarterback? So you are exactly correct. After the draft takes place, it is, okay, who is going to play this year? Who has the best shot to taking over? For instance, the Arizona Cardinals, they paid $20 million to none other than Sam Bradford. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he played one game last year, and I don't know how this guy keeps making the money, but that's okay. Whoever the hell— right. The Arizona Cardinals select his quarterback. He's going to shoot up everybody's draft board because there's no way Sam Bradford's going to make it through that division. The FC, I mean, they just added Indama Kinsu and to the Rams. Like he's going to break Sam in half. It's happening. So whenever you can see, okay, this is the route that this player has to take to get on the field. Oh my gosh, that's an easy out for you. So anybody that's going to be getting immediate playing time, you have to shoot up the rankings. Yeah, you have to shoot him up there. But the, the other thing that I look at with situations like that is, is that guy ready to be on the field? I mean, no rookie really is. But, you know, there are guys that can go out there and, and shine a, a whole hell of a lot better than others. And then you have the other guys that, you know, have the, the fundamentals and they have the mechanics, uh, but maybe they need a year or two behind the clipboard. You know, and you, you're looking at quarterbacks uh, such as, you know, Drew Brees, for example, uh, where – you know, the Saints might even take a guy this year uh, to sit behind him and, you know, later on jump in and, and be that quarterback and could be very successful due to those couple years behind a clipboard. Okay. All right. So give me an idea. I, I want to just give 
two scenarios here um, and we'll go through and maybe evaluate all these things that you just talked about, accuracy, opportunity for playing time. And I'll give you two scenarios, right? So we'll start with you again, John. Uh, Josh Rosen and wherever he might end up and 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 what his issues are and what his uh, strengths are versus maybe a guy like Lamar Jackson and his uh, dual threat strengths like Dale Michael. Yeah, I knew you were going there. It's awesome. I felt like we set the bear trap. Thanks Back to the dual threat. So uh, let me say this, funny. and a lot of this goes down to breaking down each quarterback. So Josh Rosen is the most pro-ready quarterback out there, and it's Absolutely. not even close. However, agreed. zero movement, so on and so forth. So he is capped already as far as fantasy production because he's not going to get you any rushing yards or rushing, rushing touchdowns. As opposed, Lamar Jackson, very, very raw. His arm motion is more of a flick wrist type movement than an actual throw. But because he is so dynamic and he has put up the stats, he has a 90, what is that? I think it's 92 touchdowns to 26 interceptions as um, Steve was just talking about. So if they both had the exact same opportunity to play right away, I'm taking Lamar Jackson in fantasy, even though I rank Josh Rosen higher as far as NFL caliber quarterback, just because even if he cannot pass very well at the start of his career, he's going to get rushing touchdowns and that's going to trump whatever talent Josh Rosen has over Lamar Jackson. So again, situation, but then ceiling. Lamar Jackson's got such a high ceiling in fantasy. Yeah, that's that's very well said, John. And I don't really know how much more I can add to that. I mean, the, you know, I was just actually going to bring up his his ceiling because a guy like Lamar Jackson, um, you know, he, he really he's kind of in the same situation that Deshaun Watson was in last year. You know, a lot of people weren't very high on him. And, you know, Watson came in and he he far exceeded what everybody was even looking for. So, you know, the fact that Jackson does have that fantasy value uh, with being able he he's gen, he's a good game manager in my opinion, and he does have the the availability to use his legs to get into the end zone. But you know, he could also be the kind of guy that you know could excel like Watson did and, and put up a substantial amount of touchdowns. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big difference. I want to correct myself. I gave the wrong stat. Uh, Lamar Jackson has 69 touchdowns to 27 uh, interceptions, but then you have to add on 50 rushing touchdowns on top of that. Holy yeah, that's just a lot. 50. You know, just that's 50. a lot. And you want to know that's what? Though, if, if you look at that, and you know, my biggest thing with Jackson, uh, parallel with Watson, is you look at the conferences that those guys played in. I mean. My biggest thing with Watson is that he went to back-to-back national championship games and played against a a pro, a pro defense pretty much with with Alabama, right? And then you know if you look at Lamar Jackson uh, in Louisville, there there wasn't much to that team, so their success solely they rode on his shoulders. And so I I have I'm a little bit higher on Jackson than most people, I think. Okay, all right. So speaking of that, Steve, since you left off there. I want to jump right in and start talking about, and we'll do this for both of you guys, your top five fantasy football rookie quarterbacks going into 2018. Uh, let's start with let's start at number five. Let's let's count them down. Okay. Well, I'm going with uh, Josh Allen then at, at number five. Um, okay. I think he's. He he's got a bright future ahead of him, but he has some flaws that are coachable, and I, and I think he's going to need a couple years uh, to develop into that. But the biggest thing about him that I see is that 
he's he's just a big guy has you know he has a cannon for an arm he's reasonably accurate he's not afraid to stare down the barrel stay in the pocket and make a play and you know those are those are some big character things uh for an NFL quarterback right there absolutely okay so number let's then go number 4 so then number 4 I'm looking at uh Darnold um I like Darnold a lot but I think he's uh He's got some happy feet. Uh, he tends to throw off his back foot. He'll sail the ball uh, at times, and, you know, and he comes back a lot, and, and he'll make some good plays, but he's just he's too sporadic. He, he's not consistent enough, and he's one of those guys that if he spends a couple of years behind a clipboard, um, I think he could excel uh, and eventually be a good NFL quarterback. Does he remind you guys of anybody, uh, Sam Darnold? My, my player I see him for him was a mixture of Andrew Luck and Blaine Gabbert. Like he he's the okay. gamer type of guy that can like take over a game, but and he throws gotcha. a beautiful ball. But sometimes you're just like, what the? F- what you? Why would you do that? <laughs> um, yeah, right. He's very sporadic. He he reminds me so much, and I don't know if this is accurate or not to you guys, but he reminds me of so much just the way that he, like you just mentioned, throws off his back foot of Matthew Stafford. Like he just doesn't know when to set his fucking feet and throw the ball. But um, I don't know if that's really a, really a valid comp, or I'm just paying too much attention to what Steve just said. But no, you know um, what? It's 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 not a bad comparison at all. Um, but if you look at if you look at the progression of Stafford throughout the years, and you know he's he's had a lot of coaching changes and all that stuff, and he had Calvin Johnson to bail his ass out a lot. But if you look at right. what he did last year um, statistically, and he really wasn't a, a terrible fantasy quarterback. Um, but th- that was him. I mean, there, there's really no, not much there for him to work with. So that was him. So, you know, that, that's a pretty good parallel on what Darnold could end up being. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So number three then. So number three, I'm looking at Lamar Jackson, which we just uh, talked about a lot uh, a few minutes Absolutely. ago, but like one of my things about Lamar Jackson and it really kind of bummed me out, you know, pre-show here, uh, John talking about the wonder lick that, you know, his wonder lick was not <laughs> the greatest. But um, the one thing I've always in- enjoyed about Jackson is he has some, he has good touch uh, with downfield throws. Um, he, he's a little erratic too at times, but the biggest thing about him that I like is when he's mobile, he plays the position first. He always has his head downfield and he's always reading all of his reads and he's not afraid to check down. So he's always willing to play the position first before he uses his legs. And that's, you know, everybody talks about dual threat quarterbacks all the time, but that was another <laughs> thing that I noticed about Watson. Uh, that was another thing I noticed about even Bridgewater when he came out, you know, right. the so-called dual threat quarterback, but guys that are willing to play the position first, generally they tend to succeed a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, that's why you've seen guys like you just mentioned um, in these past couple of years that, that can maybe even not, not full out, accumulate all of the fantasy yards on the ground, but maybe just be able to be uh, movable in the pocket and be able to extend plays. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at Carson and Wentz. Dual threat, like you mentioned. Like Car- yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. The dual threat. <laughs> but you look at Carson Wentz, right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has made a hell of a career out of extending plays. Let's just let's just kill dual threat and just call them play extenders. How about that? That's right. that's play number extenders. seven on the no. dual threat count. I'm keeping track and let's just see how high we can get that one today. <laughs> think think about okay, think about some of the top 
rookie quarterbacks over the past few years, right? So you've got Prescott and you've got Deshaun Watson and you've got going back a few years more than that, you've got Jameis Winston. So maybe not, you know, guys that you're thinking, uh, <laughs> Are we gonna go John's because I'm like, I just named nothing but black quarterbacks. And Jameis Winston's like the slowest person ever. Yes, but he did have a lot of rushing touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, in his rookie season. Um, so is he slow? You got to think Tom about. Brady, though? Come on. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh my gosh! Amazing. Um, okay. All right. How about a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, who I thought at times last year you could maybe plug and play in a, in a deeper, you know, two quarterback league. You know, you, you're playing Deshaun Kaiser last year has that immediate value, and all of it is pretty much coming from his feet. So um, I'm just saying, guys, all right, you guys are going to make me sound terrible on this podcast. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> Who's number two? So, number two is uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I, some of my biggest things about Baker is that he can be a little inconsistent too at times. And I, I really get I really get nervous with quarterbacks that have a whole lot of buzz around them, um, a lot of hype. And, and Baker does have that. But in a way, he's earned that. The guy is a gamer. Um, he does know how to win football games, and he has all the potential in the world uh, to be a good NFL and a and a pretty good fantasy quarterback. So, you know, I, I don't really know what else what else more to say about him. It's just he's he's had a great career. He's put up big numbers. He's won big games, and he's performed when he had to. Just to update that, Jameis Winston's uh, forty time four point nine seven. He is quite slow. That's quite solid. <laughs> That's solid. I think yeah. I ran that hey, in high school. I mean, he did have six rushing touchdowns his uh, rookie year, so yeah, that applies. Exactly. Well, yeah. when you're you know when you're um, built like Cam Newton, you know, I mean, he's not really the fastest guy in the world either. But you know, when you got a linebacker yeah, Cam, playing quarterback, it's hard to tackle him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But Cam Cam four five nine forty times. So just throwing that. Is out it there. really just that fast? Four five nine. Yep. Man, I remember that one. That's deceiving. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's crazy. Cam Newton is a freak of fucking nature playing football. I think that number was um, doctored a little bit. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so let's jump right in because I, 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 and I think this might be a point of contention here between you and John, and this is why I'm interested in hearing it. Your number one fantasy quarterback for this year in in Dynasty. I like I like I like Rosen. Rookie, sorry. I, I really like Rosen. Rosen. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. He is on a lot of levels the quarterback that's the most ready to probably step in and play day one. I would say the biggest knock on him, and it's not anything to do with his mechanics or how he plays or his completion percentage or anything like that. It's potentially character issues because he's he's had some issues with uh, uh, players he being able to get his team around him. Um, and he's, uh, there's been a lot of rumors that he's difficult to coach. So I think he, you know, characteristically, he needs to grow up a little bit, uh, from a lot of things that, uh, I'm seeing and a lot of things that I'm reading and analyzing. But as far as being able to play the game, uh, the guy is, he's just an A1 talent. So he, he's definitely my favorite one out there. Okay. So I'm going to take all of that and I'm just going to say, John, why is he wrong? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a great point right there. So one, Rosen's a great leader, and even though Steve's got him as his number one fantasy quarterback, I have him as number three. Um, and the main reason why is just because he brings no mobility to the scene. 
Uh, while Rosen is my number one rated quarterback for the NFL draft and NFL talent and all those things, draft grades, I'd take him number one overall if I was a GM. But as far as fantasy goes, I don't think it's going to work because he's going to be going to one of those top five teams that already have their bridge guy in place. And I think it's going to take Rosen a little bit longer to get on the field, even though I think he's the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft. It doesn't matter. I think the situation where he is going to go, based on how the draft order is set currently in the NFL, he's going to be sitting for quite a while. And the lack of mobility, you've already limited his ceiling. Um, My comp for him is Eli Manning, and I think that's just kind of he plays that way. He is a perfect rhythm passer that can make every throw and is very, very mm. smart, as the Wonderlick approved, even though I hate talking about that, but he did well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's my number three quarterback as far as fantasy potential goes. Yep. You know, I would be uh, I would be interested in seeing if there is any real correlation, um, statistically speaking, between Wonderlick score and, you know, NFL <laughs> – readiness at all i i I would imagine that it would be all over the board honestly because that's such a pressure field scenario and a crappy test to begin with um i understand why they do it but uh i agree with you man it's i don't i don't know how how good i feel about it just being released out there to the public that information you know i i I could be off base but didn't uh and not that they were the greatest quarterbacks in the world but didn't Randall Cunningham or Donovan McNabb have a pretty shitty Wonderlick score and turn out to not have a terrible NFL career? I don't think oh. it was McNabb. I can't remember. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared to talk on this subject. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? I mean, can I say what Frank Gore? Never mind. Frank Gore is one of the worst ever, but that's okay. I love you, Frank. You're the best, man. Even though, even yeah. though Brito hates your guts, and even though you signed with, I his don't team. hate him. Listen, man, <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching Frank Gore throughout a lot of his career. I just hate him for fantasy and for my team, the Dolphins. Well, he's on your team now, but y'all got him on a league minimum deal. Like, you got to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Just don't, don't, uh, don't mess up the, what's already a terrible (laughs) team. Um, so now, John, all right, you gave us three. We went a little bit out of order because I wanted a point of contention between the two of you. I, I wanted to see you play a little bit of devil's advocate with a lot, with a guy that everybody's saying, okay, he's the most pro ready. He's the most pro ready. But yeah, just like you mentioned, there are flaws with Rosen. So let's go through your list and, and talk a little bit about Josh Allen. You guys here at five and four see eye to eye. Josh Allen, what's your view on him for Dynasty? Man, so right off the bat, he's got the strongest arm that's probably come out since Jamarcus Russell or Michael Vick. I mean, the guy can just air the ball out like nobody's business. Having said that, after that, you're just talking size and speed. He is so inconsistent, and his footwork is the worst you will ever see. Now, I know it was great at the Combine, and his pro day was wonderful, and I watched every throw, and it's improved. However... We haven't seen it in a game. And so all the physical tools are there, but that guy is going to be on the shelf for a very long time. Um, he's got to learn a whole new thing. They ran a pro system at Wyoming, but again, if you watch his film, it is just, it's as bad as the last quarterback that was this bad, which he's going to get a chance to play for the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. But he had a whole season just to sit behind with Andy Reid, and now he's ready. So, the ideal situation for Josh Allen is that, and so that's why he's my number five quarterback. I'm I'm not a big believer. Oh, that hurts. Okay, <laughs> I, you know, number four. Um, number four, I'm going Sam Darnold again. He's your prototypical kind of picture perfect 
quarterback that you would draw up. And he's a gamer. Like, he just delivers. That's just kind of what he does whenever it's third down and long or the game's on the line. Um, he's going to give you that highlight. But again, first and second quarter, you're seeing terrible 15 yards overthrown, stupid interceptions, not reading the undercutting linebacker, so on and so forth. Um, and he's probably going to the Browns number one overall. So that's got to be a huge knock because who wants to play for the Browns? Right. Um, you know... <sighs> I don't know how much longer we're going to be saying that, but I I agree for right now, it's not a it's not an ideal landing spot if you're a rookie quarterback. But uh, Sam Darnold, interesting guy. I I have my eye on him, like I you know mentioned earlier. But we already talked about Rosen, your number three, Steve's number one. Let's talk about your number two, the most dual thready of quarterbacks, <laughs> number eight. <laughs> I need like a bell that I can just. I think that's nine. Is it nine? I believe we're up to nine now. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. We need to play a drinking game with uh with that. We would finish this pod. Yeah, fair enough. So, um, as far as Lamar Jackson, that's who I assume you're talking about. You didn't say his name. Absolutely. Yeah, he's the best athlete in the draft class. Not even close. We talked about how many touchdowns he had and all that stuff. But the problem with Lamar Jackson, even though I love him fantasy wise is he is going to have to get used to an entirely new system. Um, Bobby Petrino and what he ran at Louisville, It's he has five wide receivers on a majority of snaps. There's nobody else in the backfield with them, and it is simple man coverage or um, a five-wide under – I don't want to get into football jargon, but a cloud kind of zone. And he would buy time with his feet and then just hit the open guy, which he's not going to be able to do in the NFL. So even if Lamar Jackson – goes to the perfect team, which the Bills would be perfect, um, it's going to take him a little bit of time. But as soon as he gets on that field, we saw what happened with Deshaun Watson. If you can cater your offense to meet his kind of strengths, holy cow, you're talking insane offensive production that he has shown since day one that he set on the football field. The kid can do it all. So if he gets the chance to be on the field, man, you got to bump him all the way up to the top. Right. What are the odds that in his rookie season, he could do something like Deshaun Watson did last year in limited time. If he goes to best spot would probably be Arizona. And after, you know, Sam gets decapitated, then he steps in and just unloads to Larry Fitzgerald and DJ out of the backfield and scrambles the rest. I think it'd be awesome. So the, the chances are great, but I don't think he's going to get to play outside of an injury. Right. Going back to that point that you just made about Sam Bradford, there's something I wanted to bring earlier, bring up earlier when you were talking about the, the likelihood of him missing games. For our listeners and, and uh, for you guys, you know those last time Sam Bradford played a full season? Jeez, was it in Oklahoma? I was going to say, it hasn't <laughs> been in the NFL, has it? Uh, he did so back in 2012 with St. Louis. Really? 2012. With St. Louis, who is no longer an NFL right team. Yeah. Oh, That's, my gosh. That was his uh, his career season of 21 touchdowns. So uh, <laughs> That's that's a million per touchdown pass. Unbelievable. The, the way this guy has been able to just rob teams of money. This is a new guy. You know what? I'm going to start hating Sam Bradford because I have more reason to hate him. <laughs> And Frank Gore. Well, he he got lucky on every account because he was the last player in on the old uh, player deal. So he came in and got that right. huge contract, and then uh, Cam Newton came in next year and got like fifty million less. 
So he has yeah. just killed yeah, it. Bradford, I'm looking Bradford, up his cash. Bradford and Stafford killed it that year. So as of right now, his total earnings in the NFL will come out to 149 million. Oh my god! Is that all? So undeserved. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he doesn't even have that many touchdowns in his career. He has 101. He has earned more millions than touchdowns. Oh god. Let's move on. Uh, he's doing it right, man. Guy. I can't be mad at him. He's for doing that. it right. Yeah. I'm gonna say he's the my smart God. one, in my opinion. That guy should be arrested. <laughs> All right, your number one. Uh, number one is Baker Mayfield, which uh, hurts my heart. I'm a huge Longhorn fan, um, but it doesn't matter. Baker Mayfield, he just has it, and the production matches what was done with Lamar Jackson, and I think that he has a much better throwing motion. Um, again, he's going to have to make a huge adaptation into the pro scheme just because what OU does is just, it's a simple version of the spread. It's very, very simple. So he's going to have to change that. But anytime there was pressure on Baker Mayfield, which wasn't often, he was behind one of the best offensive lines in the country. He was great under pressure. So if he can fix his footwork and can take snaps under center, Again, he's going to be going later on in the draft. A team like Miami, something like that. I think he's going to have an easier shot at getting on the field. I really do. Absolutely. So just to kind of recap, because I want to go through here and, and, and go by where you guys what you guys just said and, and give a summary here. You guys both agree five and four, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. You start disagreeing at three. Steven's got Lamar Jackson. You've got Josh Rosen. John, you do. At two, Stevens got Baker Mayfield. You've got Lamar Jackson. So, and then I think the biggest point of dissension here was Steve's got Josh Rosen up at number one. You've got Baker Mayfield. I think you can't really go wrong if you end up with any of those three guys. But if for my money, I would love to land a guy like Lamar Jackson. I know. Not necessarily pro-ready, but I, I've just seen the rookie quarterbacks that have that mobility on their side, and he was such an exciting player in college that, you know, even if I, you know, have to spend a little bit of draft stock to get him, I, I'm excited about the guy and his impact year one if he gets the, if he lands in the right spot, like you mentioned. that That's really dependent on where he lands, though. So we talked about the top guys. What are some of the dark horses for you, Steven? Some guys that maybe aren't on our radar. Uh, two guys that I really like are Luke Falk and Kyle Aletta. Uh, I really like Falk, um, and, and I, I really like him to land with a team like the Saints. I like both of these guys to land with a team that's <clears throat> got a quarterback on the back end of his career. And, and Falk landing with the state, the Saints, the biggest thing that I like about him is he's actually been a very accurate quarterback uh, throughout his time at college. Uh, he's been around like the uh, high 60s to 70%. And to take a guy like that in, in later rounds uh, and going back to spending a couple of years behind a clipboard, you know, Drew Brees just signed that two-year contract. You know, maybe Brees decides to ride off into the sunset after that or the Saints decide to move on for t- from him. And you know, he, he's a guy that could step in. Um, you know, you have a, a young core there in the backfield. Uh, you have Mike Thomas there. And, and who else – you know, who knows what they're going to add to that. So there, there's a lot of upside for him there. Um, so he would be a good guy uh, in later rounds for dynasty owners to land. Uh, keep him on a taxi squad or on your bench or however your format is set up. 
and just see how this whole thing plays out over the next couple of years because he's a guy that can bring a lot of value to your team. Uh, you know, and then looking at uh, Laletta, uh, the one of the the place that I like him to go is, is to New England. I mean, and, I, and I'm sure you know Austin will love to talk about <laughs> who's going to be behind <laughs> Tom Brady, but uh, you, you know, again, same thing there. And who knows? I mean, Tom's found the fountain of youth. Guy might play till he's 50, but you know, losing Jimmy Garoppolo was a big thing. And Lillette is a type of talent that I can parallel to Garoppolo and, and um, you know, you know, as far as where he's projected to go and the type of tools that he has and what he brings to the table. So, you know, again, going back there and, and sitting back and, and waiting and learning from some of the best in the game at the quarterback position, at the head coach position, you know, that's another guy that you can hang on to. And I, I mean, there's, you know, I had a, a coworker of mine that I convinced a you know, have him hold on to Jimmy G because I told him, I said, Tom Brady's going to be gone or he's going to get traded. One or the other, this guy's going to step in and he's going to be something special. And we saw that happen over five games after he got traded last year and he's he could have a very bright future ahead of him. So, well, that is definitely another one of my dark horses. I see that um, John, this is also a guy that you kind of mentioned. So what are your thoughts on the letter? Man, I, I love this kid um, out of Richmond, which is hilarious, but he's a three-year starter. Uh, 73 to 35 touchdown to interception ratio. My favorite thing about him is if you watch his film, which is very hard to get to, he calls all of his own audibles at the line, like without looking to the sidelines. So he runs a very spread system, but every single time he gets up, he calls an audible about every other play and changes the line protection and all that stuff. So you got to love that. And he has all the physical uh, skills. He's 6'3", 222. He ran a 4'8". So he's, he's a hyper-athletic guy. That is very cerebral, and he's already calling his own audibles, but he's still raw whenever it comes down to mechanics. So he's going to be kind of that very end of the round, round two in the NFL draft, probably round three. And if he goes to a place where he gets an opportunity, uh, I, I think it could be good. I, I really, really like him. Another guy I'm high on um, is Mason Rudolph, which I wouldn't say that he's a dark horse. There's a chance he could go in the first round of the NFL draft. I wouldn't bet on it, but there is a chance. And he has the best deep ball throw, um, and it's not even close. He has thrown more passes over 30 yards um, and completed more passes over 30 yards than Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and Sam Darnold combined. Um, They kind of run that aired out uh, offense at OSU, Oklahoma State, and the dude could just ball. But he's very streaky, and that's a good and a bad thing. He's really terrible for a quarter, and then he's amazing for a quarter. So if he can put all of that together, and if you're in a draft and you miss out on those top five guys, don't worry about it. Mason Rudolph is going to be a guy that will pay dividends big time. All right. Um, That's definitely a name that I'm going to keep on my radar as a a Finns fan that just wants something something to happen here, and I'm not hopeful – whatsoever that they're going to be able to get land any of those top five guys. Honestly, I think they're all going to be gone by the time the fins are up to pick at 11, but yeah, you guys need a quarterback that has talent in both of his knees. Right. Although, (laughs) (laughs) or you could draft another receiver and try to make him quarterback. That worked out well. Just, (laughs) I'm sorry. My God. Or have Amendola play quarterback. Can we not do this? This is depressing. (laughs) You guys just want to go back to the Wildcat? That worked for a season. Hey, you guys started it, man. Ricky Williams probably could still play. Yeah, I like Williams. Except, 
except for the time that he got high and forgot he wasn't supposed to get high. <laughs> All right. So, Didn't Afro Man write a song about that? <laughs> I don't know, man. Those were the most entertaining years of my dolphin uh, <laughs> life. Ricky Williams was the best. So going back to these top four or five guys, I want to rapid fire with you guys where you guys think they might land or where they're projected to land. Let's start with what you guys mentioned, the most pro-ready guy, Josh Rosen. John, where do you think he's going? Uh, anywhere in New York. Uh, the Giants at two or the Jets at three. Okay. What about you, Steven? Uh, I like the Jets, but I also like the Bills making the move and, and possibly picking him up. Okay. that's they, uh, they would have to give up quite a bit to move up, I think, to... to well, they uh, have two first-rounders. They have 12 and 22. Right. Uh, but I think they'd right. have to add either next year's one or one of their seconds. Oh my god! Well, and it all, that just sounds like so much. And it also it also <laughs> depends on the picks. perception of the brass in Cleveland and both New York teams. You know, it depends on where he falls. I mean, he could, as far as we know, he can go back to four or five too. You know, so it all depends. Right. Honestly, though, if I was a Bills fan and I saw, okay, we have two first rounders and we got to give up next year's first or second. I'm all for that if you think that this is your guy, and I think he could potentially be a franchise changer or at least a franchise stabilizing quarterback, some guy that may not be elite for years to come but can be, like you guys mentioned, an Eli Manning for the next 15 years down the road. I think that's a very viable concept or, 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 or comp. So next guy on the list we got here. Josh Allen, where do you think he's going, Stephen? For me, I like the Broncos because uh, I, I think he really fits that uh, stereotypical quarterback that Elway likes, a big guy with a cannon for an arm. But, you know, I also all like him, too, for the Cardinals if he falls down that far. Okay. What about you, John? I hope he goes to the Jets at three because they traded three second-rounders to move up, and they get one of the biggest project quarterbacks ever, and it's the ultimate Jets thing to do. Um, I think it would just be so much I would be happy but I'm not a Jets guy it's just kind of man it would be hilarious I just think it'd be so fun Uh, that's epic it's uh, it's strange that um, that the the Browns are almost a lock to pick this next guy we're going to talk about because Josh Allen just seems like the type of guy they should pick based on their track record again but let's talk a little bit (laughs) (laughs) let's talk a little bit about Sam Darnold all right, where where do you guys think he's landing? Because I think a lot of people are in consensus here. Yeah, I'd say seventy five percent number one overall. He's going to the Browns. Yeah, there's been too much buzz and talk about that. It, it's really hard to say that he's going to go anywhere else at this point. Uh, yeah, if you watched his pro day, what happened right before they were throwing? I don't know if you guys saw this, but it started pouring down in L.A. for his pro day. And one of the coaches was like, "Hey, we can move inside." And this is paraphrasing, of course. Darnold says. Hell no, I'm trying to play in Cleveland. So it rains in Cleveland, let's go. Um, it just seems like a match made in heaven for those two, te- for him, for that team. All right. And let's talk about the fourth guy on our list here, Baker Mayfield. Where do you think he might end up, John? I think he's going to the, your Dolphins, man. I just think it's a match made in heaven for those two. And Tannehill's not going to be the answer long term. You got to do something else, especially with this coaching staff on the hot seat. I, I think you got to do something. Uh, I right. I like Baker you, with the Jets. You know, going back to what I was saying earlier, he's just 
you know, he's a guy that has a, a lot of buzz around him. Um, and he just, his, his mentality, his just everything about him. Uh, <laughs> you think all those Jersey Shore Jet fans would love Baker Mayfield or what? <laughs> no, probably. <laughs> probably not. But <laughs> no, I, I, I like him there. Just, to, I, I think he's, he's a perfect fit for that organization and what they try to do there. All right, we'll get one bonus one here in quickly. Lamar Jackson, where might he land? I, I really like the Ravens taking a shot at him, and I think that's I think that's a place where he could honestly go and uh, give Joe Flacco a run for his money. I mean, in my opinion, Flacco's days are have been done there. Numbered. Yeah, yeah. they're definitely numbered. And they, they, he, I, he's been done there, in my opinion, and I think Jackson could really make a push in with, with what they have there in play. Uh, he's a guy that could fit that system, I think. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Ooh, I like that. Um, I like that. Could you match him and Joe Mixon in the backfield at the same time? And oh, just AJ? AJ Green. Oh, man. I don't think they're happy with – I think Marvin Lewis and uh, good old redheaded Jesus are, are, are <laughs> long for Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to be long, around too much longer. Then it just becomes dual threats all over the field. <laughs> ten. Number ten. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so we've i've taken up a lot of your time guys just throwing out dual threat stuff so let, we're, i'm gonna rapid fire here one last thing before we go i want an idea of where projection wise you think some of these guys might end up in a startup draft and then we'll do rookie draft we'll go really quickly in a one let's just think about it as a one qb league where do you think josh Ro- rosen's going go john 14th round all right Baker Mayfield. 15th round. Lamar Jackson. 16th round. Sam, I'm seeing a trend here. Yeah. Sam Darnold. 17th round. And Josh Allen. Uh, big drop, 19th. Oh, what the? Oh, come on, man. You got to screw up the consistency. <laughs> okay. All right. So jumping, let's go quickly to rookie only draft. One quarterback league style, ADP wise, Josh Rosen. We're going to throw that up to you, Steve. Go. Uh, 22. Okay. What about Baker Mayfield? Uh, 25. Okay, Sam Darnold. I'm going to go 26. Lamar Jackson? 23. Mm, Josh Allen? 30. Okay. I like what you did there. What about you, John? Let's let's close out with this. I'm going to give you rapid fire rookie only draft where you're seeing a guy like Josh Rosen going. This is one QB? One QB. I'm going 25. Baker Mayfield. Uh, last pick of the second round, number 24. Sam Darnold? Uh, 28. Okay, Lamar Jackson? 26. And Josh Allen? Can I go 45? Oof. And by the way, I would be that guy drafting Lamar Jackson at like 20. Yeah, just throwing that out there. You know, just to get one more in there. That's my dual threat. There it is. There it is. Number 12. Listen, I'm going to give you over the last 10 seasons, the top six rookie quarterback seasons. Okay. Cam Newton, Robert Griffin, the third, Andrew Luck, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, and Russell Wilson. Those are all dual Seeing a trend guys. there, guys. Uh, so, the most athletic one, I think, would you might have to say is Andrew Luck. Um, I'm going to go with Cam Newton. So hold on. Let me ask you this, Breedham. Do you consider Andrew Luck to be a quote-unquote dual-threat quarterback? Baker's dozen. Man, yes. Really? Even though he's not black, but yes. <laughs> that guy can scramble like nobody's business. He's a play extender, Brito. Okay. He's a play extender. There we go. <laughs> That's not that's that's not a word, but I love it. <laughs> He's a play extender. We're making it. It's coined. I here. think uh, 
I think I overdid my I out. Uh, what's the word? The phrase I'm looking for. I outstayed my welcome. Overstayed. Overstayed Over, your welcome. Overstayed my welcome. I overstayed my welcome on this show, no, guys. I disagree, man. I think uh, you brought more than one component to the podcast, and so I would say, like, you were a. I don't know if is there a phrase for something <laughs> where like you bring two things to the table. Two things. Um, a dual threat host. There you go, man. That's you. Oh, you are the Andrew Luck of dual look threat at hosts. That. Gotcha. Awesome, guys. <laughs> As we close, John, where can our listeners find you at? Uh, Twitter, JL underscore Chapman. JL underscore Chapman. Steven, where can they find you? Uh, at SPEC21. That's SSPAC21. That's two S's, dual threat. <laughs> and our show, as always, can be found at EatSleepFF on Twitter. Check us out, EatSleepFantasy.com. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I don't know how to close these things. That's why Dale always does it. So goodbye.